0: hour, that is, at eight o'clock in the morning, not in his wife's bedroom, but on the Morocco leather sofa in his study. He turned his plump, pampered body on the springy sofa as though he would sink into a long sleep again. He vigorously embraced the pillow on the other side and buried his face in it, but all at once he jumped up, sat up on the sofa, and opened his eyes. Yes, yes, how was it now? He thought, going over his dream. Now, how was it? To be sure, Alarbin was giving a dinner at Darmstadt. No, not Darmstadt, but something American. Yes, but then Darmstadt was in America. Yes, Alarbin was giving a dinner on glass tables, and the tables sang "Il Mio Tesoro." Not "Il Mio Tesoro," though, but something better. And there were some sort of little decanters on the table, and they were women too. He remembered. Stepan Arkadyevitch's eyes twinkled gaily, and he pondered with a smile. "'Yes, it was nice, very nice. "'There was a great deal more that was delightful, "'only there's no putting it into words or even expressing it in one's thoughts once awake. "'And noticing a gleam of light peeping in beside one of the wool curtains, "'he cheerfully dropped his feet over the edge of the sofa "'and felt about for his slippers, a present on his last birthday.' "'embroidered for him by his wife on gold-coloured Morocco. "'And, as he had done every day for the last nine years, "'he stretched out his hand without getting up "'toward the place where his dressing gown always hung in his bedroom. "'And thereupon he suddenly remembered "'that he was not sleeping in his wife's room, but in his study. "'And why. "'The smile vanished from his face. "'He knitted his brows. "'Ah, oh!' he groaned, "'recalling everything that had happened. "'And as he recalled every detail of his quarrel with his wife, "'he realized the hopelessness of his situation, "'and most tormenting thought of all, that it was his own fault. "'Yes, she won't forgive me. She can't forgive me. "'And the most awful thing about it is that it's all my fault. "'All my fault, though I'm not to blame. "'That's the point of the whole situation,' he reflected. "'Oh, oh!' Oh, he kept repeating in despair, as he remembered the acutely painful sensations caused him by this quarrel. Most unpleasant of all was the first minute when, on coming happy and good-humoured from the theatre, with a huge pair in his hand for his wife, he had not found his wife in the drawing-room, to his surprise had not found her in the study either, and saw her at last in her bedroom, holding the unfortunate letter that revealed everything. She... His dolly, forever fussing and worrying, whom he considered rather simple, was sitting perfectly still with the letter in her hand, looking at him with an expression of horror, despair and indignation. "'What's this?' "'This?' she asked, pointing to the letter. And at this recollection, Stepan Arkadyevitch, as is so often the case, was not so much annoyed at the fact itself— as at the way in which he had reacted to his wife's words. There happened to him at that instant what happens to people when they are unexpectedly caught in something very disgraceful. He didn't succeed in assuming an expression suitable to the position in which he was placed by his wife's discovery of his guilt. Instead of acting hurt, denying, defending himself, begging forgiveness, instead of remaining indifferent, anything would have been better than what he did do. His face... "'Utterly involuntarily,' reflex action of the brain reflected Stepan Arkadyevitch, "'who was fond of physiology, "'utterly involuntarily assumed its habitual good-humoured and therefore foolish smile.' "'This foolish smile he couldn't forgive himself. "'Catching sight of that smile, Dolly shuddered as though in physical pain, "'broke out with her characteristic passion into a flood of cruel words, "'and rushed out of the room. "'Since then,' she had refused to see her husband. It's that idiotic smile that's to blame for it all, thought Stepan Arkadyevitch. But what's to be done? What's to be done? he said to himself in despair and found no answer. Chapter two Stepan Arkadyevitch was a truthful man with himself. He was incapable of deceiving himself and persuading himself that he repented of his conduct. He could not, at this date, feel repentant that he, a handsome, woman-prone man of thirty-four, was not in love with his wife, the mother of the five living and two dead children, and only a year younger than himself. All he was sorry about was that he had not succeeded better in hiding it from his wife. But he felt the seriousness of his position, and was sorry for his wife, his children, and himself. Possibly he might have managed to conceal his sins better from his wife if he had anticipated the effect on her, should she discover them. He had never clearly thought out the subject, but he had vaguely conceived that his wife must long ago have suspected him of being unfaithful to her, and shut her eyes to the fact. He had even supposed that she, a worn-out woman no longer young or good-looking, and in no way remarkable or interesting, merely a good mother, ought— "'from a sense of fairness to take an indulgent view. "'It had turned out quite the other way. "'Oh, it's awful. "'Oh, dear, oh, dear. "'Awful,' Stepan Arkadyevitch kept repeating to himself, "'and he could think of no way out. "'And how well things were going up till now. "'How well we got along. "'She was contented and happy in her children. "'I never interfered with her in anything. "'I let her manage the children and the house just as she liked.' It's true, it's bad her having been a governess in our house. That's bad. There's something common, vulgar, in making love to one's governess. But what a governess! He vividly recalled Mademoiselle Roland's mischievous black eyes and her smile. But after all, while she was in the house, I never took liberties. And the worst of it all is that she's already... It seems as if it all happened for spite. Oh, oh... But what, what is to be done? There was no solution but that usual solution which life gives to all questions, even the most complex and insoluble. That answer is, one must live in the needs of the day, that is, forget oneself. To forget himself in sleep was impossible now, at least till night time. He couldn't go back now to the music sung by the decanter women, so he must forget himself in the dream of daily life. Then we shall see, Stepan Arkadyevitch said to himself, and getting up, he put on a grey dressing gown lined with blue silk, tied the tassels in a knot, and drawing a deep breath of air into his broad chest, walked to the window with his usual confident step. His feet turned out slightly. He pulled up the blind and rang the bell loudly. It was at once answered by the appearance of an old friend, his valet, Matvee, "'carrying his clothes, his boots, and a telegram. matvey was followed by the barber with all the tools for shaving. "'Are there any papers from the office?' "'asked Stepan Arkadyevitch, taking the telegram and seating himself at the mirror. "'On the table,' replied matvey glancing sympathetically at his master, "'and after a short pause he added with a sly smile, "'They've sent from the livery stable.' Stepan Arkadyevitch made no reply. He merely glanced at Matvey in the mirror. In the glance in which their eyes met in the mirror, it was clear that they understood one another. Stepan Arkadyevitch's eyes asked, Why do you tell me that? Don't you know? Matvey put his hands in his jacket pockets, kicked out one leg, and gazed silently, good-humouredly, with a faint smile, at his master. I told them to come on Sunday until then not to trouble you or themselves for nothing, he said. He had obviously prepared the sentence beforehand. Stepan Arkadyevitch saw that Matvey intended to make a joke and attract attention to himself. Tearing open the telegram, he read it through, guessing at the words misspelled as they always are in telegrams, and his face brightened. Matvey. My sister Anna Arkadyevna will be here tomorrow, he said, checking for a minute the sleek, plump hand of the barber cutting a pink path through his long, curly whiskers. Thank God, said Matvey, showing by this response that he, like his master, realized the significance of this arrival, that is, that Anya Arkadyevna, the sister he was so fond of, might bring about a reconciliation between husband and wife. Alone? Or with her husband? inquired Matvey. Stepan Arkadyevitch could not answer as the barber was at work on his upper lip, and he raised one finger. Matvey nodded at the mirror. Alone. Is the room to be made ready upstairs? Inform Darya Alexandrovna.